is on the table for today, July 17, 2021. Dr. Henry, what's on the table, Doc? Oh, listen, we are talking about the heartbeat of the church, mm. the heartbeat of the church, and that is evangelism. We're evangelism. talking about evangelism. We're going to talk about how, the, the, how does church growth happen? And we have some powerhouses that will do that. Going to also focus on the local pastor as well. How do we balance this thing with um, the outreach and the inreach? We're going to talk about some key strategies in growing the church. So this is going to be a feast today. All right. So that's what's on the table today, ladies and gentlemen. What is on the, not the menu, <laughs> but who is at the table? Doc, uh, Pastor Wade. Wow, we I am just so blessed today. I am blessed to have the Dean of Preachers, as mm -hmm. I was told, uh, one of his titles, uh, the Dean of Preachers. And I also want to say an, a now day evangelist who is who is making it happen uh, as uh, in, in evangelism as a church pastor. Uh, you know, normally we have a conference evangelist who that's all they do. This is a church pastor who makes it happen in evangelism. And so we have with us Dr. Henry Wright, the Dean of Preachers, and Dr. Abraham Jules, an evangelist extraordinaire with us at the table. So welcome, uh, gentlemen, to this table. Um, I am excited to, to, to just stand in awe, even if it's through the wire, and to have you with <laughs> us here today. This is phenomenal. Listen, listen, before we turn it over, we want the gentleman to our guest to be able to say something to our audience. But Pastor Way, before we begin, could you just offer a word of prayer as we Yes, commence? let us let us pray. Father, once again, we ask you to come by in this space across the wires, anoint our guests, and Father, we pray that what is shared will bring glory to your name. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you Amen. so much. Listen, Elder Wright, uh, Pastor Jules, we did not uh, read out your full bios and tell everything, everybody, everything that there is to say about you. There is so much. Um, most of our audience has probably come across you, knows you fairly well. But listen, we want to give you each a, a brief moment to say hello to our audience, to greet anybody that you want to out there, to say hello, to just share with us maybe a little bit about where you are, what you're doing right now. Um, we'll start with you, Elder Wright. Now, typically when preachers come on to, to pastors round table, we give them, um, you know, like 30.7 seconds, um, because we know <laughs> preachers and we know what preachers do, but, but we just feel like we're, we're in the presence of, 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 all, of, of, and I'm not going to gas it up, but you, I'm not going to give you any time limit, Elder Wright or, or Pastor Jules. The, the, uh, we'll start with Elder Wright. The time is yours. Um, just greet the audience. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad to be here and, uh, uh, hello to everybody. Uh, those who know me, those who don't know me. And, uh, I'm just, um, really thrilled to be uh, a part of this because pastoral ministry, uh, was and is my life. I, I some of you know, I've, I've done administration. I've been in uh, a, a university professor. Uh, and still do, uh, in fact, uh, some adjunct teaching for uh, Washington Adventist uh, um, University. But most of my life was spent in pastoring and doing pastoral evangelism. And to me, that is the key to the growth 
of the church. So after 53 years and seven months, I retired uh, in December of 2017 uh, to see to the needs of my precious wife. And uh, I certainly will appreciate your prayers for her. She has both dementia and uh, Parkinson's disease. But uh, nevertheless, I'm still through this wonderful world of the ether, whatever, uh, since I've retired, I've been to Africa, I've been to England, I've <laughs> been to uh, Jamaica, I've been to, Lord have mercy, all over the United States, sitting in this chair in my study. Uh-huh. And the real thing is that Jesus saw that coming mm-hmm. and put in the mind of somebody somewhere, they thought they were inventing <laughs> Zoom or whatever, for their convenience, but the Lord Jesus Christ is behind that thing. My, my, my. And the church has just moved on. We have not missed a step. Don't get me started. <laughs> and, uh, and I praise God for that. So there goes my 30 seconds and seven, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Jules, the time is yours. Uh, to my colleagues and friends, uh, Pastor Paul, Pastor Wade, Dr. Henry. Thank you for having me this evening with you. It's my joy to join you uh, on a subject that thrills my heart and is my passion in ministry. Amen. I thank God for you and what you're doing to all of our viewers. Uh, happy to be with you today. I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to say that the man who taught me pastoral ministry and uh, was my professor at Oakwood, as I was preparing for full-time ministry, is Elder Wright, one who I have had the greatest regard, respect, and reverence for. He has blessed my life in more ways than he will ever know. And I want to thank him and acknowledge him today. I know he's part of our panel. Uh, Elder Wright, great to see you. And Good to see you, man. And thanks for being a blessing in my life. That's yes. awesome. That's awesome. All right. Um, I get to kick things off today with our first question. So, gentlemen, let's let's dive in. Um, I will address this to to both of you. Um, You can both take a a stab at um, the response to this one from your perspective as you look around Adventism today. And I'm not talking I'm, I'm really looking at Adventism um, right now in 2021, not, not pre-pandemic, but, but right now, um, what do you see as being the current state of church growth um, in, in Adventism right now? Is there any growth? Is there evangelism happening that you're seeing in, in this virtual world? And, and for our viewers, just to kind of uh, uh, set the stage, how would you define evangelism? Um, and how is evangelism connected to church growth? Is evangel- we, we often have departments. People will see there are departments in the church that are called at the union level or whatever, evangelism and church growth. Is there a difference mm-hmm. between those two things? How would you separate um, the, the difference between that? So that's really three questions that I'm, that I'm asking you there. Um, how would you uh, define the state of evangelism? In the, well, let's start first with the, with the definition. How would you define mm-hmm. evangelism um, uh, in today's term? Let's start there, and then I'll, I'll restate the other two. Well, I'm going to yield to the man who's on the front lines, and that's Pastor Jules. So uh, I'd like to see him, hear him go first, because I... I can learn. I'm the student now. (laughs) Uh, When we talk about uh, evangelism in Adventism, uh, it's a a worldwide mission. 
we have, and it's a worldwide mm-hmm. church. So in some parts of the world, uh, evangelism is strong. Yeah. In other parts, it's not. Uh, in some parts of the world, like Europe, you have sometimes in some years a minus growth. Uh, they're losing more people than they're baptizing or accessing to the church. In North America, we've always had a struggle in terms of keeping up with other parts of the world in terms of accessing people. So that has always been the case. So evangelism, as it relates to Adventism, uh, you'll get different answers from different quarters. Some places it's doing well, some places it's not. The challenge uh, as we look at both evangelism and church growth In my estimation, church growth is a result of evangelism, but it's not the only way uh, that you can grow your church. Uh, You know, we grow our churches sometimes biologically. We have biological growth. Uh, uh, Our children, uh, we we, we teach them, we baptize them. That's really biological growth. Then we have transfer growth. People will join one church, leave another church, and a church may grow, a local congregation may grow through transfer growth. And then you have public evangelism, that people will probably join the church through public evangelism, and they are baptized and join the church. In another way, we may have uh, what is called pastoral evangelism. Visitors come to the church, your members, family members may join uh, through coming to church, and they uh, uh, get convicted, they study God's word, because uh, many people join the church through kinship or friendship. They must have someone at your local church. So the so, so best place really uh, to grow pastoral evangelism is to me is the key to growing our churches, uh, much more than just public evangelism. While I do both public and uh, pastoral evangelism, I seriously enjoy pastoral evangelism a lot because I'm able to stay there, not only bring people into the church, but I'm able to see them grow, grow in knowledge. I'm able to see them uh, yeah. become involved in doing things at the church that previously they'll never think that they'll ever be able to do. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's probably a, a roundabout answer to what you were asking, but that's that's my take on it. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Jules has got me goosed up because uh, I, I, I feel like that he, he, he has nailed it. And I, but I want to begin uh, um, by, by, by trying my little pitiful definition of evangelism anything we do intentionally to mm. bring someone to christ is evangelism wow my lord mm. that's wow. it Come on. <laughs> now having said that that makes everybody in the church mm. an evangelist. Mm-hmm. if i'm phoning the old sister to see how she's doing who's not a member of the church but a neighbor in my cul-de-sac evangelism Mm-hmm. Passing out tracts because Pastor Jules has said he's having a crusade, evangelism. If I'm standing in the pulpit preaching the word, mm-hmm. evangelism. So mm. anything we do as a member of God's church that's intentionally done to bring someone to Christ is evangelism. In my mind, we start there. Mm. Now, Love it. To, to, to just underline what, what Pastor Jules has said that got me so, just got me tingling inside. He knows, as I know, that public evangelism has gone through various phases over the past 50 years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speak for a few minutes about the regional work. Mm-hmm. The first regional conference was formed in uh, 1946, Lake Region Conference. And that began an era of growth 
in the African-American church in America that was unparalleled. Uh, by the time we got to when I came into work in 1965, September 1, the fastest growing aspect of the church, segment of the church uh, in the North American division, and at that time in the world, was the, quote, black work in North America. Wow. And it was pushed by these powerhouse public evangelism evangelists. We know them, E.E. E. Cleveland, C.D. Brooks, uh, Malcolm Phipps, uh, on and on we could go. And I, I, I shouldn't call names, because you leave somebody else out, somebody gets upset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These were the powerhouses. But to Abraham Jewell's point, though we lauded and thank God for those gifted public evangelism, evangelists, tent men, we called them, tent men. The real backbone of the growth of the church, as Dr. Jules has suggested, was that every day, every week, every month, every year, pastor mm. on the corner in his church wow. wasn't known for baptizing a thousand or a hundred, but he steadily brought his 30, 40, 50 every year visiting his saints teaching a Sabbath school class, uh, having community activities, the growth of the church that often, in my mind, is goes unsung, unlauded, is the everyday, month-by-month, month, steady pastor, Dr. Jules. His name is not in the Review and Herald. He's not being invited to camp meetings to preach, but, buddy, he's mm. on the case, and he's baptizing people. That is yes, the sir. heart of, yes. the of the church. Wow. Wow. Mm. wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. So, so, so then, so then we're looking at what, we're, what I'm hearing is, is that evangelism, while we, we would define what evangelism is, anything that wins somebody to Christ, whatever it is, whatever we're doing that wins somebody um, to Jesus. But, but I'm also hearing that, that both of you are saying that the strongest arm of, of, of evangelism is what happens not just with the local pastor but also with the local church what each member in the pew is doing so it's not the, the names necessarily that are always on the marquee with the glitz and glamour but that everybody our audience here all of them are evangelists in their own right is that that is that my mom reading that correctly yes that's what I that's yes. what I'm, I'm saying and that's what I heard in fact I, I like what dr. Jewel said when he mentioned the fact that as a pastor evangelist and that that's really what got my blood tingling because I've, I've lived that when you do pastoral evangelism you don't pack up and leave when the meeting is wow. over yeah. thank you Jesus mm -hmm. come right. on you stay there and nurture uh, when I was pastoring CPC for 20 years don't suggest everybody try to pastor church for 20 years but I did it uh, I had a lady who kept a picture book of the souls we baptized over the years. And we'd go oh, through that wow. book every year to see how many were still there. Mm -hmm. Brethren and sisters and those listening and my uh, great hosts and my, 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 my co-guests. When you stay, then after you've taught them and baptized them, now as a pastor, you can nurture them. Mm. And you look up 10 years ago, 10 years later, they're still there. Sure. They're still there. Uh, the, the first elder, the first elder of the Community Praise Center Church is a young man I baptized mm. 20 years ago. First wow. elder. Mm. <laughs> that's, wow. the, that, that's the strength of pastoral evangelism. 
Mm-hmm. And I and I hey, and I'm not knocking the, the, the big name evangelists. Thank God for them. Yes. Because they were catalysts for growth. But even mm-hmm. their success would not have been the same had there not been a pastor and Abraham Jules or somebody else there after the tent went down wow. to nurture and bring them to full fellowship and discipleship. Sure. Right. I'm make sense to you. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. No, that's powerful stuff. I want to I want to interject. Just have a, a question here, follow up question. When we talk about pastoral evangelist evangelism, um, and we know there are pastors that they do not just the day or Sabbath the Sabbath and and day to day evangelist work by following up on members and visiting them and doing the Bible studies, but also there are pastors that are involved in. Uh, the traditional public evangelistic meeting at their church. So yes. the pastor will do the two-week church. Do you find, both of you pastors, evangelists, do you find that it is easier to preach an evangelistic sermon when you are a guest evangelist or, uh, more than a pastor evangelist? Is it harder or is it just the same? Well, let, let me tell you what I do, uh, and this may not be the answer for everyone. But when I do public evangelism at my church in the building, I always bring in a guest speaker. The reason being is so that I can create the novelty so my members, they know me, they know everything I say. So, you know, they may not get that excited for an evangelistic meeting. They may get excited for Sabbath morning services. So I bring in a guest speaker. But what I do, I do all the prep work. I I prepare the souls for baptism. I have people who've been coming to my church for the last year, and they just visit occasionally. I have people that I now can target. I have young people who were not baptized in the last year. The evangelistic meeting that I have as a public evangelist within the church confines and building is to reach all these people. It's a reaping meeting. Now, let me say this about public evangelism. Evangelism as a whole, we have to get away from it that it's a seasonal event. Ah, evangelism, you, you heard the right talk about it. Wow. As the pastor, he, he went over it again. As the pastor, we do evangelism, we nurture, we win people. But for most Adventists, evangelism is seasonal. It's the mm-hmm. summertime or the fall when we have public evangelism. Quite the contrary. It needs to be that evangelism is a lifestyle from January to December every year, Mm. always targeting those who are not in Christ. And our churches, we we make a great error when we try to uh, satisfy and meet the needs of all of the people who want church to look like them, to sound like them. Don't try anything new. Don't take any risks. Mm. Because we don't like that in our church. We don't like this kind of music and we don't like that kind of this and that. But if you are intentional, which evangelism should be intentional, if you're intentional about reaching the lost, you must be willing to take risks and not make evangelism a seasonal activity in your church. The churches that grow are churches that are not practicing the seasonal exploit in evangelism. They're not. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. you got me antsy again. I already <laughs> sit in my seat. Thank you, Dr. Jules. You just turned me up. Now, brethren and sisters listening, hear me. The Holy Ghost runs this church. Look what he did. Mm-hmm. 
he shut down the tents by mm. the end of 1980s. He shut them down. Mm -hmm. He forced us, Dr. Jules, into our churches. And you and I started doing church meetings, sometimes in motels, sometimes halls. Now, the Holy Ghost, if you read evangelism, Ellen White, pages 103, 107, talks about variety, variety, different means. Mm -hmm. and, and human beings have a tendency to get stuck in a rut. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Ghost uses events, COVID, to push us mm -hmm. to new horizons. Mercy. Mercy. Paul and Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 8, that uh, uh, the persecution forced the leaders of the church. That's right. Out of Jerusalem. They thought they thought God, Jesus, brought them to the church to, 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 to run Jerusalem. He told them, go ye into all the world. They said, up in Jerusalem. So what did he do? He had some of them killed. The Lord let Mercy. some of them get chased out of their Ouch. homes and mm. looked up, and the gospel started going to Samaria and all around the world. The point simply is this. If you track the events of the world over the past 50 years, my brothers and sisters, you will see God's hand squeezing the Seventh-day Adventist church to move from comfort zone to uncomfortable zone. And then when that uncomfortable zone became a comfortable zone, made in, pushed, into a, pushed, pushed us to another level of uncomfortableness. Hmm. Why? To push us to always be trying something new. And I'm, 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 I'm taking a long time to get there, underlining what Dr. Jules just said, so that we moved away from event evangelism. Mm -hmm. That's it. I, 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 present, my, I presented a, a, a thing to the uh, Allegheny West pastors years ago called Sabbath evangelism. And I developed this means of using series on Sabbaths to teach the truth to my members. They invite their, their, their friends and their, and their neighbors and their, and their relatives and so forth and so on. The point was, I wanted every Sabbath to be seen as a soul-winning opportunity. Notice I didn't yeah. say the word event. Opportunity. Mm -hmm. Opportunity. And I think that Dr. Jules is right on it. We, 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 we've, been, we've been pressed by the Holy Ghost. We, can't, we can hardly do event evangelism anymore. You can't pitch a tent. Where are you going to pitch a tent? Hmm. What are you going to pitch a tent, brother? And tell me where they're pitching tents in North America. I don't know where they're pitching tents. Nope. So we now have had to come up with other ways, more consistent, more drawn out, uh, more over time. Uh, uh, no, we don't have the big numbers in an event, but over a period of time, we're still baptizing the 50, 60, 100, because now... We're having to do evangelism as a way of existence and life wow. and not as a special event. Wow. That's right. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Listen, today, uh, just for our, our viewers who have just joined us, we are here discussing with two of uh, the best evangelists. We are, we are talking about the church evangelists here on Pastors Roundtable. Uh, if you haven't shared this with someone, uh, you, you like what you've heard so far, hit that share button so we can we can share this as far as you can. We want to engage you, as we heard today, to be an evangelist. Everyone doing something to share the love of Christ is an evangelist. And so that's what we heard today. Uh, but uh, gentlemen, I, I want to just ask this question. You, you kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of um, the, the meaning of evangelism, what we should be doing as a church. But there is this, there's been this kind of a, a fight or a tug of war between nurturing 
the members who, who are there. And should we spend more time there or should we go out and bring new people in? And, and it kind of has the pastor um, fighting against members in terms of, well, pastor, we can't keep doing that. Or pastor, we spending too much money on evangelism. Um, help, help us to understand um, where should the balance be? Or, or what, where should we put our, um, you know, where, where, what, should, what should we do in that kind of a fight? Dr. Wright? I don't, I don't think we should. I, we're not talking about either or. That's right. We're talking about and. That's right. Evangelism and, not evangelism or nurturing, evangelism and right. nurturing. Pastor Jules has got a good-sized church. He's baptizing people. But once he baptizes them, he's still evangelizing them. We call it nurturing, but he's still evangelizing them. Uh, uh, it, it takes, uh, I don't know what your experience has been, uh, Dr. Jules, but in my years in the ministry, it takes two to three years for a person to really settle into the truth. Mm -hmm. So it means then that you're in some ways still ev evangelizing them. They become ushers, they become maybe down the line, deacons, whatever the case may be. You're still seeing about them, making sure they're getting out to church, they're new, uh, making yourself available to counsel them as they deal with the problems of selling to the church, job issues, family issues, spouse issues. Uh, uh, so so to, to me, it's not nurturing or evangelism. It's evangelism and nurturing, and I call nurturing the second phase of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. I wow. love that. I agree to wholeheartedly. It's, it's both. And you have to be sensitive as a pastor uh, to know that you can't do one all the time and leave the other undone. Amen. You have to meet both, both needs. Your people need to be nurtured through pastoral preaching, through evangelistic preaching. Sometimes you preach and you rebuke them. Sometimes yes. you preach and you encourage them. Uh, yes. But you, you, the full gamut, you have to do. And the pulpit, listen, I'm going to tell you this. There's an old adage, and I must have read it somewhere. I heard it somewhere. You get what you preach. Mm. <laughs> you get what you preach. Woo. If My you goodness. want your church to be an evangelistic church, you have to preach in such a way that they understand the importance of evangelism. Elder Wright said this when he started talking, the first, his first response. He says, evangelism, it has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. No church will ever grow unless it is an intentional act on the part of its leader. No Amen. church. Hmm. Church Amen. growth is not wow. accidental. It will never be accidental. It has never been accidental. My Lord. The Holy Spirit is waiting for us to use the skills he has given to us, the wisdom uh, that he has given to us to win people to Christ. I have a, uh, I have a Dr. Jules, I have a uh, folder that has all my service records going all the way back. And I took note of the fact Watch this, brother. I took note of the fact that in 1965, September 1, coming fresh out of the seminary, driving a little red Corvair with the trailer with my one little footlocker behind it, showing up in Mississippi to pastor four churches, and I got my first uh, uh, hiring sheet, whatever you want to call it. But anyhow, my title was pastor slash evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I got hired, Jules. They called a pastor an evangelist. There was yes, a pastor, the pat slash evangelist. And I noticed 
after being a college professor and a conference president, a union president, I came back into the work at Potomac Conference. They were not they, they were no longer calling me a pastor evangelist, this pastor. Now mm. that, that 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 says something to me. See, mm. see let's, let's, let, listen to what listen to what Jules just said. The intentionality can never be forsaken by this church. Mm-hmm. When I came into the work, the North American division was the second largest division in the world work. We're now <laughs> number five, working on being number six. Mercy. <laughs> and and that's because, and, and I'm going to step on some toes now, that's all right, it's good to be retired. Uh, 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 you know, uh, hey. When the North American division gave up intentional evangelism, Mm. as the job and responsibility of the local pastor. We wow. lost them. We lost wow. them. And I'm going to say without apology, any pastor living on God's holy tie, man, woman, boy, or girl, who goes year after year, you know, push somebody in the water, just lean on them. <laughs> Come on, brethren and sisters. Mercy. Uh, 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 we, 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 we're, we're not. We're not entertainers. We are paid soul winners. Mm-hmm. And so, as 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 the good pastor said, it must be intentional, and we must share this intentionality with our members. And as we do so, we'll get away from this nurture as opposed to evangelism, mm. because any really converted Seventh-day Adventist member should be irritated, uncomfortable. If their church, don't blame the pastor, if their church is going year after year and not winning anybody, the members Hmm. ought to rise up, let alone the pastor. The members, no, this is not why we're here. So, so, So intentionality, to me, should be the disease of the church. Wow. Mercy. 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 It ought to spread. It ought to be contagious. Yes, it's a new virus. It's a new virus. Elder Wright, um, one of our, one of our um, uh, listeners has posed this question directly to you, and I think you may have just answered some of it, but I want to give it to you as it reads. Pastor Wright, what would you say to members who feel like their pastor and elders are not proactive or I think intentional about nurturing new members. The members can't, can't, the members alone cannot do it. What would you say to the members who are feeling like their pastor, their leadership is not really engaging evangelism to the level that they believe they ought to? Well, I want to speak to that last part of her question, whoever it was. Uh, The members cannot do it by themselves. Disagree. Mm. Disagree. 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 Uh, 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 pastors are assigned leaders. Members are called evangelists. Yes, sir. Now the pastor, the pastor is called to lead the people in evangelism. So why, wh- wh- why am I spending time worrying about what the pastor and the elders are not doing? That's if right. there's a new member, they're not being visited. Go visit them. Right. Go That's visit right. them. You call them and make sure they're going to be in church on Sabbath. You go by. Uh, 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 see the the, the best right. the, the best reprimand is example. Yes, sir. Mm. Did you follow that? Yes, sentence? sir. The best yes, sir. is example. Yes, sir. Uh, let, let me tell you a quick little story. Wow. I was made pastor at CPC back when you had so few members you could lay on the pews. There was nobody to cut the grass or do anything. 
And I said to the few little deacons we had, because I'd been on a ministry for about a year, came back in. I said, brother, we got we to cut the grass. Well, pastor, so-and-so and so-and-so. Two Sundays after that, I went down to the church with my lawnmower. Now I'm 50-something hmm. years old at that time. Hmm. Cut the grass. One of the deacons, deaconess went by the church and saw her new pastor cutting the grass. She got on that phone. She wore <laughs> brethren. Ow! I mean, she wore I looked up. I'm washing, washing my lawnmower. Cool off. Here come the elder, the deacon, sweating. Pastor, pastor, what you doing out here cutting the grass? I said, because it needs to be cut. Come on, brother. I never had to touch the grass again. Again. Yeah. The best reprimand. The best reprimand is example. Example. Mm, I love it. That dear sister, bless her heart, whoever sent that question to me, go visit. Yes, sir. Go visit. You Mm. visit them. The best reprimand is example. Example. Wow! Wow! Listen, that, that that's, that's powerful awesome. stuff. That powerful stuff. I'm, now, yes, now we we're talking about church growth. We're talking about evangelism, and I'm looking at at um, our guests today who have had just considerable, uh, you know, success. We've seen God work. Uh, we look up to you, and and we see the churches that you've pastored and what God has done. You know, you mentioned CPC. And it, it was a handful, right? And, and when you retired uh, or left that church, they were multi-million, you know, giving in tithe and busting at the same. Dr. Jules, uh, the same thing. You know, when you go to a church, it explodes. You're in a church now, over a million dollars in tithe in, in the Queen. So, so in doing that, what are some of the issues, though, that you've encountered in your church when you were they're sent to, by the grace of God, you know, facilitate growth. What were some of the challenges that you faced in your church? And how can we um, address those challenges successfully as we try to, you know, carry on the mission? Go to Dr. Wright first or Abraham Jules, anyone. Well, I, I have encountered the same problems at every church from the first day of my ministry. Uh, number one, most church budgets are not mission friendly. Mm. That's number one. Mm. I went to a church. I got there. They had, I think, uh, $10,000 uh, for the budget for evangelism for the year. But they had $64,000 for Sabbath school. They had 45000 for Pathfinders. So I went my second board meeting, I said, brethren, I'm asking you now to revisit this, and I want $25,000 for evangelism. Everyone, including the treasurer, the first elder, thought that I was crazy. $25,000? Where are we going to get that money from? I said, the same place you got $64,000 for Sabbath school, same place you got forty-five grand for Pathfinders, ah, we'll have twenty-five. dollars they gave me the twenty-five thousand. The next year, I went. I said, "I need fifty thousand oh dollars." They gave it. The next year, I said, "I want seventy-five thousand dollars." Somebody says, "Why are we spending all that money on evangelism? What should we be spending it on?" And you have people mm-hmm. joining the church, so they complained about the money. But there was a young lady that came to our meeting. She got baptized. She was an attorney. She called me one day. She said, "Pastor, I need to meet you." I have $40,000 in tithe I want to bring to the church. One woman, one woman brought $40,000 in tithe 
that she has been saving up while she was not in the church for God's church. Mm. The money you spend, it's money that makes money. And why do people, uh, they have no problem spending money in a beautiful building. And I believe in beautiful buildings. I refurbish buildings everywhere I go. But the number one reason why the church exists, it's not for Sabbath school. It's not for AY. It's not for mm. socials. And all those things are fine. It is to proclaim the three angels' messages. And anytime we stop doing that as a church, we should not call ourselves the remnant church. We should call ourselves a little country club. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. wow. <laughs> My goodness. Dr. Wright. So that's the challenge. Let me just say that on another one. That, that, <laughs> no, that's he, one of his problems. He's right. Oh. He's right. Uh, uh, um, I, I there, think Dr. There, Jules had another point. There is a fortress mentality that sometimes exists in, in, in Adventist churches. Us and them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if you read the Gospels, uh, them are to become us. Them are to mm. become us. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. Okay. Yes, sir. So how do them become us? We have to go after them. And as the pastor said, that must be a priority. And in America, in, in the United States of America, in the United States of America, we announce priorities with budgets. Yes, sir. What's in your budget first is what's most important to you. Look at your look at your home budget. What's the first thing there? Mm -hmm. Mortgage. That mm -hmm. ought to be tithe and offering, but first mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so. When I, I mean, I just the man makes me want to shout. Jules makes me want to shout. Maybe he wasn't listening to me when I was teaching in class. I don't know. But it sounds like you got more than I did. You got way more than I did. Because, 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 brethren and sisters, if you don't, if you don't, as a pastor, who is leaders, train our members to think financially, evangelistically. Yes. Not get done. And they have to be trained because they, they want, they want the path. Oh, so nice. Our children, so nice. And that's evangelism. And they want the Sabbath school. Wonderful. The first organized evangelistic thrust of the church was Sabbath school. Nice. Mm -hmm. But getting back to this word that he used so well earlier, intentionality, you need some column in the budget that says making them us is our priority. Right. And the more of them become us, the sooner we will see the Savior's face. Come on. So in a sense, you know, evangelism is, it has, has, has kind of a selfish nature to it. If we can get it done, he's coming. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, you, know, you, know what, you know what's interesting? Uh, uh, you know what's interesting? You talked about the them and the us. Well, before it was us, we were them. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we, before, yes, sir. Before we were us. We, we were, were them. them. Mercy. Yes, sir. We were wow. them. Come wow. on, God. There was somebody who said we want them with us. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I, I think Dr. Jules had another point there that you wanted to make. One of the problems also that uh, I've never not faced in going to a church, most of us want the majority of our members on board and fired up to do evangelism. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, it will never happen. True. Amen. The Bible says it's not going to happen. Amen. All right. Yeah. yeah. Why am I waiting until the entire church gets excited? I was in Harlem pastoring a church there. And one of the prominent elders of the church, I said, we're going to have a tent meeting. That's many years ago. And uh, she said, I don't believe in tent meetings. I don't believe in tent meetings. That's for folk who are uh, low income and not well-educated. I don't believe in that. 
I said, brethren, we are here to win souls, whether they educated or uneducated. Amen. Uh, middle income or no income. We're here to do it. Let's go do it. We went down. Now, if I had gotten my clue from that prominent member mm -hmm. and decided I was not going to have this crusade anymore, public evangelism, we would have lost a lot. In that crusade, we baptized 302 individuals. I think Roger was with us. Weren't you there? Yes. Yes. That was Roger my first evangelist. Wow. He was one of, my, uh, one of our associate evangelists. That's right. And we started a brand new church in Harlem. Mm -hmm. But you did I have all the people uh, in my church excited about it? No, you must go ahead and do sometimes you have to do it alone and mm. and, 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 and don't wait on the majority of the people. Now I'm gonna tell you this and this is just my way. I don't know if you will do. I don't vote to do evangelism on my church board or no, sir. meeting. No I don't sir. vote it. I, I vote the budget. I vote the budget, but I will never vote the event to do evangelism. I set the date <laughs> in the calendar yeah. and I tell them we are doing this. I vote the budget, but never the event. Mm, wow, wow. I love it. Why are you well, voting I, on what God already told you to do? Mercy. Come on. Uh -uh. When I came to the Potomac Conference, the policy was that before they would send you a budget, you had to have a vote of the uh, church to have the meeting. So I said to the dear president, whose name I will not call, uh, I, I said, my brother, uh, when did this when did this custom uh, get going? <laughs> so he explained to me, well, you know, we, we want to be sure the church is behind me. I said, I said, um, maybe I missed something in reading the Gospels. <laughs> I thought I heard the Savior say, go ye, ye is all yes, of sir. us, into the yes, world sir. and preach the Gospel. I said, so we already have the vote of heaven. Come on. That's right. That's right. We don't need the church board to agree no. with heaven. No. Oh, having the meeting, my good elder, oh. mm -hmm. yes. please send me some funds. They never requested again any vote from the church board. Wow. Now, again, see, Jules, Jules is on it. Jules is on it. And 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 another another thing that I, I dealt with uh, Abraham. Excuse me, don't want to use first names. You're a pastor. Another, another thing that I, I dealt with. The first I had a member at one of my churches say to me the same thing about the low class people. Mm -hmm. So I took him to Acts four. <laughs> Acts four is where the the the, the, the brethren said Sanhedrin said. Uh, we perceive that these ignorant and unlearned, these are ignorant, unlearned men. He was talking about the Mercy. church leaders, the 12 apostles. My, my, my. Uh, 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 but we also see they've been with Jesus. And I said to the, I said to the person, I said, if Jesus chose ignorant, unlearned men to lead the Mercy. church, then we don't have to worry about going out and find some other ignorant, unlearned people to come <laughs> in <laughs> the church. Who's Don't get me started, brother. See that—that's that, oh. that's, 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 that's foolishness to me. That, and, Mercy. And, and, and I'm old. I don't have patience anymore. Uh, That—that's <laughs> foolishness with me. That's foolishness with me. That's yes, an excuse sir. not to do. That's right. And 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 in fact, it was the educated people who gave mm. Jesus the roughest time. That's right. Mercy. That's right. Uh, I, I had the joy of baptizing in Greenville, Mississippi. My first crusade, first crusade, brother gave me $3,000, hard enough money now to uh, to uh, 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 print handbills. But anyhow, $3,000 for the whole meeting. 
a, a long story short, we baptized a fellow named Ernest Brown. Ernest Brown could not read or write. Hmm. When it came time for the baptism, uh, 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 I, I went to see him. I said, uh, Brother Brown, we, 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 you know, we, we, we've been coming out faithfully, made the appeals and forth and so on. I said, but I need some assurance that you understand the decision you're making. He said, well, Pastor, what do you want me to understand? I said, well, tell me about the Sabbath. The man sat there. Now, this happened. You can't make this up. The man <laughs> sat there at the back of my tent and quoted my sermon on the Sabbath to me almost word for word. Then we went to time. He took that one. We went to the law. He took that one. Now, he couldn't read or write, but the mm -hmm. man could hear and remember. Yes, sir. He could and remember. Yes, sir. He could hear and remember. So don't come to me about the ignorant unlearned. Mm. All right, mm. uh, calm down now. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. so, Dr. Henry, I think I think you, the other part of the question um, there, um, in terms of in in today's society, um, you two gentlemen have done evangelism for years. I've known Dr. Jules. You you went around the world preaching in so many different places, Dr. Henry. Uh, right, you you also. How um, how have you seen this new way of delivery in terms of, we talked a little bit about it in terms of being online through the internet. Um, mm -hmm. How have you seen that? Has that been a hindrance to to what you know as the the way we delivered evangelism or is, is, it, is it adding speed to what we need to do? Dr. Jules. Well, I, I think, um, I don't think it's a hindrance. I think it might just be a new way that we can reach people who otherwise would not listen to us. I had about 800 people in my building today, but we had 7,000 people watching our service today. So I had more people online from around the world watching our service than the 800 folk we had in the building. Mm. That says something. I Amen. think we should use the, the new medium, use Amen. the new technology uh, to promote the gospel. I always wondered how is we going to get into all of the world mm. and preach the gospel. It, the, the internet has kind of answered that for us. And I think Amen. that's the way we have to Amen. use it. We just spent $13,000 a month ago to buy, to put in new lights. And we're putting up a, 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 a media wall that's $45,000. The only reason we are doing it is because we have to now use the technology that's available for the proclamation of the gospel. We can't go everywhere. But people mm -hmm. can just, with one click, get onto your service and to my service and, and be blessed. These are the reports I'm getting, and he's just confirmed it by his, his sharing from the pastors of the large churches here in the area, the, the DMV, uh, uh, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. They are doubling and tripling their viewership online compared to those coming to church. And he just affirmed that by his testimony. Now, who are these people? Number one. Many of them are former Seventh-day Adventists. Mm -hmm. That's correct. We that's don't right. have the courage to come and that's, face that's right. the hypocrites in the pews asking <laughs> questions they should not ask. <laughs> so they 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 are they are they're they're oh, watching God. online and refinding the Lord Jesus Christ and this great truth. Number two, they're not Adventists who think we're odd but have surfed us and bumped into us and hold on, wait a minute. 
here's Jules preaching. Wait, 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 wait. What is he saying? Mm. Now Jules is capturing them, okay? And then we have these 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 uh, old folks like me now and my wife. My wife's sick. We can't get out to church every Sabbath. They're watching. They're getting refreshed, getting deepened in the Word. My point is, what I'm saying to the to the young pastors here now in the area who have these large churches, you should never again go completely back to the old way. That's mm. right. At least right. have one service that's completely virtual and one mm. service that's live. See, I was doing two live services at CPC and two live services at Tacoma Park, my last church. That, 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 ought, to be, that ought to end forever mm. because we've developed audiences now of people. Uh, uh, he talked about 7,000 people. Charles Tapp there at Tacoma Park was carrying 70,000 uh, uh, online. Uh, uh, Dr. Jules, why was carrying, having mm. eight or 900 people in church on Sabbath? We we can't lose we can't abandon those people now. That's correct. They've That's gotten correct. hooked. Yeah. They've mm. gotten hooked. Now you may never ever see them in a pool of water, but they will walk up to you on the gates of on the streets of glory and Mercy. say you are the one who invited me here. Mercy. So once again, don't get me started. The Holy Ghost using COVID has pressed the church again out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem this time being our church buildings, he's pressed us on out of Jerusalem to plant seeds where otherwise we would not even know there was soil. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, so, That's so right. I believe a new era has happened. And like Dr. Joseph said, I'm now understanding more clearly how this gospel of the kingdom shall mm -hmm. be preached as a witness to all nations and then shall the end come. It's, it's happening while we're talking today. That's correct. Thousands That's of correct. Adventist churches were online, brethren, virtual That's worship, right. and right. millions of That's former right. and non-Adventist people watched Adventist worship today. That's right. Many of them will become believers. So, so right. once again, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, God bless him. He runs the church. Mercy. Mercy. He runs the church, brethren and sisters. Mercy. He's always run the church. He's put the yes, squeeze sir. on us one more time. <laughs> and now we have to come out of our shell and do what yes, Lord, we do. And so now I'm saying to pastors, spend the Jules. What, what did Jules say? Thirteen thousand. Hey, spend fifty thousand. That's right. When, yeah. when, 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 when I when I when I decided to uh, CPC has one of the best broadcasting studios you'll find anywhere in a church. We spent one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars on equipment, lights. Speakers, uh, yes, screens, mm -hmm. sound systems. They can do anything at that church when I left there. They can do anything at that wow. church. Why? <laughs> they are now equipped for the mm. ministry of the last hour. You know, um, uh, yes, sir. Uh, um, I'm in, I've got evangelism here in front of me. Let me read this. Let me read this. Uh, let me read this. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Different methods must be used. Mm -hmm. There must be no fixed rules. Yes, sir. Our work is a progressive work. And yes, there sir. Must be room left for methods to be improved upon. The old lady. Yes. yes, sir. 1895. This is 1895, brethren. <laughs> but under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, unity must and will be preserved. So she wrote, the lady wrote over 100 years ago, try something new. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. 
<laughs> Mercy. Listen, so, listen, so I want to say what, this. What, 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 what Jules is doing, what some of you fellows are doing now in your churches, God bless you. If I was still pastoring, there would never again be two worship services, even in a big church. Mm. The folks who need live church, we got one for you. Mm -hmm. The folks that like bedroom church, we got one for you. Come on, Come on. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you are just joining us, if you are just joining us on this edition of the Pastors Roundtable, we want to welcome you. If you have missed the beginning of this, we want to let you know that you can go back and catch the beginning um, on our YouTube channel, Pastors Roundtable. You can catch the beginning as this video will be still live or still available to watch here on, on mm -hmm. Facebook. But if you have not shared, if you have not shared uh, this, this edition of the Pastors Roundtable, we want to invite you to do that right now. We've got about 30 minutes left, and I can guarantee you it's going to be just as powerful as it has been so far. So if you have not taken the opportunity yet to share, again, you, we are joined today by Pastor Henry Wright um, and Pastor Abraham Jules, prolific pastors, preachers, evangelists, administrators in the work of God. And you want to make sure that somebody else has the opportunity to glean from them what we have been gleaning so far. So don't miss this opportunity right now that we want to remind you to share to bring somebody else onto this feed this afternoon. Um, uh, Pastor Wright, I just want to follow up. And, and Pastor Jules, I just want our audience to know, listen, I, I get irked sometimes when I find that there are church communication directors that do not want their church on social media. Um, you you look at the numbers, it <laughs> and, and makes no, it's, it's a... I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But there are they exist. It's not it's not a myth. I know for a fact that there are church media directors, church technology departments who just refuse. They don't they don't trust it. They don't want their church on social media. Here's the reality. There are two point nine billion people on Facebook. 2.9 billion people use Facebook every day. 2.3 billion people use YouTube every single day. Um, and if we're talking about evangelism and we're going fishing, then why not fish where the fish are? The fish are on these platforms and in these spaces. And it just seems like it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever that we would not want. I don't know. Let me ask you, because you guys might know the answer to that, that I don't. Why would a church not want to be in spaces like this where our people are. Does anybody have that answer, our, our panelists, or even anybody in our audience? I, I, I haven't run into that. You, 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 you've actually surprised me, and I don't know whether Dr. Jules has or not. I, 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 I was I, blessed when, when, when at CPC, then at Tacoma Park, the churches avidly responded to our efforts to expand our reach. I never had one, I can say this, one negative voice or vote. Now, I don't know whether Dr. Jules is running that or not. I, I just didn't. So I, it's hard for me to answer. I, I have, thank God, because I'm not sure that God gave me the patience to handle that. I, I suspect this, this is the issue in churches where uh, they're not moving in that direction. I suspect most times, from my observation, it really is a lack of pastoral visioning and mm. pastoral leadership. Because most times if a pastor in this age says, brethren, we need to be on social media, brethren, we need to be able to reach uh, the masses, we need to be able to connect with people on social media or live streaming, most times, I believe, churches go along. So the problem, I think, is not with communication uh, directors of our local congregations. 
I think it's pastoral leadership. And sometimes it's some of our pastors don't feel equipped to do it. I had a pastor, a very prominent pastor, told me, Jules, you're crazy doing this live streaming every Sabbath. Suppose something goes wrong. I said, well, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Suppose somebody gets up in church, starts talking crazy. I said, we'll deal with that as we, uh, you know, meet it. You know, I can't predict whether it will happen or not. And he's a prominent pastor and a great preacher. So sometimes pastors, we, we feel a little, we're a little timid in going in that direction. I think to change that, we need to address the pastor and the issues he might be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Let me come at that a different way, uh, um, uh, Pastor Paul. One of the things that I saw happen at CPC before I left and then again at uh, Tacoma Park, and I have seen in some of the larger churches, uh, even uh, smaller churches in the area, is that this kind of ministry, this technological ministry, is keeping a lot of our young people connected to the church. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, I had my sound team train the youth to run the cameras at CPC. Yes. And the same thing, have you seen that, Dr. Jules? And the same thing at Tacoma Park. Uh, I recently was a guest speaker for Pastor Lisa Reed. Some of you may know her, Pastor the First Church there in Washington, D.C. I went down and did the Sabbath service for her. And uh, her whole team were the young people in the church. Young people. Because the young adults, they can understand that reasoning, Pastor Paul, that you gave. For them, they, they, they are shocked if their church doesn't want to do that because that's the world they live in. Right. That's, that's the world their friends live in. And that's now correct. where they've been hesitant to invite their friends to their church, they're now saying, my church is online. That's right. Let that's me tell you a story. Brother, I'm, I'm full of stories. You've been around long as I've got lots of stories. We started a series at CPC. A uh, 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 social ministry, uh, 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 social uh, uh, stuff was just coming in. Social media just coming in. One of my members, who I baptized, is sitting in church now. When I would start preaching, she'd flip on her phone and was connecting to a guy in England. Listen to this, brethren. He's listen- He's not an Adventist. He's listening to me preach. I'm preaching in Alexandria, Virginia. She's sitting there with her phone. Got him connected to England. Long story short. I'm invited to England the next year to do a camp meeting, Dr. Jules, and this guy comes to hear me. Mm-hmm. Based on those sermons, he decides to move to Alexandria, Virginia to meet this young lady. Long story short, baptized him, married them, Mercy. blessed the first baby. Don't get Mercy. Don't get <laughs> Mercy. Mercy. So, so, so wow. social media, <coughs> the young adults, were thinking of things to do I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. After that, I organized a team of folk who, <laughs> who sat in church, turn on your phone, not turn it off. Don't turn your phone on. <laughs> turn it off. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And you see what I'm saying? So, so, mm-hmm. so to me, one of the issues here, and maybe maybe this person that, that, that you're talking about that had, had these complaints, here is something that has gotten our young folk re-involved mm-hmm. True. Energized True. in what the church is doing because a lot of our young adults they think we're out of touch. That's mm. They see social media now as a way that they see the church getting back in touch and they are excited yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. So true. 
So true. Mm. Looking at some yeah. of the comments I, I'm, I'm reading here, and and I realize that there there are some some responses that merit some discussion. I, I see somebody saying that you can be online, but don't be raggedy um, or, or ratchet, right. as they used to say. And, and, and the right. reality is that some tech teams may feel out of their depth. They know how to turn on the microphones um, and set the levels. But when it comes to live streaming and video and all of the, maybe they're feeling like we don't have the know-how or the resources or the expertise to do it. Uh, and, and then maybe what they are producing in their building already is not something that they feel like is ready for the world to see. Um, mm -hmm. Good response. And, yeah. and let me speak to that because I, 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 I like that. And that's good. Um, I don't know if my pastor is, is listening in or not. My pastor is Pastor Damien Johnson, one of my students at, at Columbia Union College, now my pastor. Boy, he can preach through a thunderstorm. But anyhow, um, he when we first when we first went online, Seabrook did, because we haven't had church since May, first Sabbath in May, uh, 2020. And and we were pitiful. We were pitiful. Hmm. But I saw him work and sharpen that thing, and now they're as sweet as they can be. Now, what's my point? I think now, and I don't know how you feel about this, Dr. Jules, I think now we've come to a point where we need now some support, training, and guidance from our conference offices, mm. helping these pastors in these smaller churches yes. develop appealing scenarios, liturgies, mm. yes. and, and approaches. And just like whoo, we're giving money, been giving money for pastors for evangelism, start evangelism. If a church is equipping itself to be online, that's evangelism. Yes. Mr. Yes. President. That is uh, Mr. 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 Vice President, uh, Mr. Conference Treasurer, that's if give the pastor a check. Mm -hmm. And you would give him to pitch a tent. Because what mm -hmm. this 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 is the evangelism of the new age. New age. Mm -hmm. So I yes, think that, that 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 there must be a response now on a higher level of Pastor Paul mm -hmm. to meet that concern expressed by and it's a legitimate concern because because uh quite frankly. Uh, some of our services are not, uh, um, they're not show ready. They're not, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not media ready. We know that. Mm -hmm. And my heart goes out to the pastors. I had a young pastor call me not too long ago from one of our conferences. And folks just giving him a fit and, and just, you know, he, he, he was, he was doing, he was, he was trying to run it himself and preach because mm -hmm. no, 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 he had nobody. So, so, so we need, the conferences need to rethink what the funding of evangelism should be and respond financially. Remember what I said earlier, we announce our priorities with our budgets, respond financially to where the Lord is leading the church. Yes, sir. Right. Right. Oh. All Dr. Right. Jules, uh, any, any comments on that? No, not really. I think Elder Wright said it all. He covered it. But, but let me just make this one point though, quickly. Most churches that have a raggedy uh, media output, their services generally are raggedy before even this technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they have to work on that. So that that's that's the problem. You have to work on that first yeah. before you decide to go out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I'll, 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 agree with, I'll agree with you on that. Listen, we, we want to just pivot just a little bit here. Uh, 
one of the things evangelism strikes up when, especially as pastors, is this constant conversation about numbers. Um, if you saw the title, uh, the title came out of when we were putting the show together and talking about what should we title the show. We talked, I, we remembered when we were at workers meeting and uh, the pastor who would stand up to give the evangelism report of how many he baptized uh, would have a long story. And the, the president or the ministerial leader up front will say, Pastor, how many? Uh, <laughs> the number seemed to have been the priority. Uh, how do you relate uh, to the reality of numbers when it come to, comes to evangelism? Uh, Dr. Jules, you mentioned the, the over 300 people that we baptized in that first meeting I had as an organized pastor in the church. I was just overwhelmed uh, and excited for what I saw God do. But that number is not what many people see. But is numbers important? Well, let me tell you, I love big numbers. I love big numbers with money, with baptisms. I have no problem with that. I do have a problem, however, if you are not faithful and you have zero numbers. God yeah. didn't call us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. Mm. Mm. If I'm faithful and I have two persons I baptize, I'm satisfied. Amen. I, I baptized 450 people in the crusade once, came back to New York, and three weeks later, I went and did another four-week meeting. I preached the same sermons, I preached with the same intensity, and I baptized 21 persons. Yeah. Mm. I just baptized 450 with the same sermons. Mm -hmm. I came back and baptized 21. Did I feel badly about that? No, because I did my best, I was faithful. Mm -hmm. And if you're faithful, God will give the increase. The numbers that are required by the conference leadership, I think that is just measurable, a measurable way of uh, determining success. But in a real sense, if you're committed to God and you've done your best and you didn't meet that goal, you can be fine. Mm -hmm. You can be fine. That's the way I feel about it. Well, I, I agree. I, I remember, and remember what I said earlier, uh, the church growth in this church i mean we don't have a lot of guys as gifted as as, as dr jules or or some of the other men that we could name we we don't have a lot of guys that gifted he he, uh, he has an evangelism gift all right great and we thank god for that but i think dr jules would agree with me that the growth of the church is based on those pastors who who, who baptize the faithful 20 30 40 50 every year that that's where our growth comes from. And then we have these exciting moments that inspire us all. Thank God. Thank God for that. I hope that never stops. Uh, but everybody doesn't have that gift. So, so uh, uh, I like his opening statement. I got nothing against numbers. <laughs> uh, you know, I know what it is to preach a sermon in Africa and have uh, 9,000 some people join the church. That, wow. I mean, sorry, 900, 900 some people. Joined the church that day. 992 people joined the church that day. Uh, Rathara Stadium, Stadium and uh, Harare, Zimbabwe. Well, that doesn't make me any better than the guy who preaches a good sermon That's on right. Sabbath and nine people join. That's uh, right. Uh, I, 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 so, numbers, yes. I like numbers. I just told you about it. I'm proud of that. Yeah. Thank God for it. I was a part of it. I saw it. I witnessed it. I was a part of it. Yes, I love numbers. But I don't think that made me anything better or greater. 
I was in the right place at the right time. The Holy Spirit decided to use me. I don't consider myself, frankly, a great evangelist uh, uh, in that sense of numbers. Uh, I've been a very successful evangelist as a pastor, consistently baptizing souls year after year and taking a church from nothing to something by the grace of God with hard work and a lot of other things that go into the church that I consider to be evangelistic that we don't call evangelism. Mm-hmm. A lot of things we do in the church we don't call evangelism are That's planning, right. visiting, mm. encouraging, teaching. All that is the groundwork for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And when the numbers come, a lot of stuff that has gone on before that doesn't get mentioned is the mm-hmm. reason why there were 450 baptisms. So, 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 uh, 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 but I'm not against numbers. Yeah. Hey, no. I, I, you want to link my name with some great numbers? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glad about it. <laughs> That's right. I don't, but I don't, I don't see that as the mark of me. Because as he said, I just like the way he said it. When he preached those same sermons with mm-hmm. the same fervor, 21, the 21 were just as precious in heaven as the 450. Am I right about it, Dr. Jules? That's right. That's wow. right. That's wow. correct. Correct. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Gentlemen, I want to turn a, turn a corner here. Um, we can go on. Somebody has already asked. We need a part two to this one. They're already saying that in, in the chat that this is a, a great conversation to have. But I want to ask each of you, um, and, and this is a, a real kind of a more of a personal question, but how has your involvement in church growth and evangelism um, impacted your personal development in your relationship with God uh, and in your journey as a leader? How has your role in, in, in evangelism impacted you personally? Let's start with Elder Jules, Pastor Jules. I say this jokingly to my wife, but I'm still making the point that says, if ever I die during a crusade, you know I'm saved. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because while I'm in those meetings, if I'm doing public evangelism, Mercy. I'm trying my best to live close to the Lord. I'm depending on him every day uh, because it's a day-to-day battle, uh, fist-to-fist battle with mm. the devil. It draws you closer to Christ. I'm going to tell you this. I heard Elder Wright say this in a sermon probably 30, 40 years ago. He says, God put me in the ministry so that he could save me. Amen. And that explains it. I used to say uh, also, Dr. Jules, to my wife, that every time I preached a series in evangelism, my love and belief in the truth was deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay. and, and, uh, and, and I mean, I mean that with all my heart. Because if you go back through those texts on the Sabbath, the texts yeah. on the second coming, the texts <laughs> on the law, you realize, brethren, we have it. The 70th, we have it. We have the truth as it is in Jesus. Yes, and, sir. And, and, and the pastor who goes year after year and doesn't run a series, based on the basic tenets of the church, to me, he's he's doing himself spiritual harm because, because we need to be deepened. We need to be deepened. I mean, it gives it gives me confidence. I mean, I... I know, I mean, as an, and I don't want to be boastful, but as an Adventist pastor, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. <laughs> I can take this Bible. Come yes, on. Sir. And yes, sir. And wear out. There's no part yes, of it I'm afraid of. Ain't nothing nailed yes, to no cross. 
I got it from yeah. Genesis Revelation. I can preach on all of it, any of it, anytime, any way. And when I do that, my faith and belief system rises and deepens. That's what it's mm -hmm. done for me. And yes, I retire knowing with all my heart, I have spent 53 years and seven months preaching the truth, the Mercy. truth as it is in Jesus. And what that Man. does for me, I can't put into words. It does something for me. I can't. And I am humbled and thankful that God took this hard hit, mm. hard hit, thought I was going to walk away from when I was 18 years old, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, 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 announced it to my father. I won't tell you what he said. It's not that we, there's a family, family, uh, family meeting here we're having. But he made clear to me that I had no sense. I'll just leave it that way. I had no sense. <laughs> he was correct. And that's the summer the Lord called me to the ministry. He realized that I needed, I needed to take responsibility for this myself. Yes. And in so doing, would be refreshed, reconverted, or increasingly converted, whatever word you want, phrase you want to use, and deepened over the years. And so I, I was able to retire solid, solid yes, in the faith. Brother and I yes, am going nowhere. nowhere. That's right. Come on. I Come on, Peter. That's right. That God's church is the true church. Now, some young Adventists don't like to use that term anymore. That's all right. God bless you. Right. God's church right. is the true church. And we have a great responsibility to get this That's thing right. out to everybody that we can. Wow. Man. Listen, I, I, I want to say this. this. This has been one of the most, in, in my opinion, just um, enjoyable uh programs here because you know we're dealing with the heart of the the church we're yeah, dealing with evangelism right. i mean this this is where it's at and and i just want to know and i know where the time is running out we're already asking for part two so i i know you have busy schedules somebody so we, put in we part need, three already doc <laughs> part three, yeah we need to do a series here but i want to ask this um to to dr jules and then back to dr henry wright where do we go from here so we have people who are listening, pastors that are listening, pastors that are passionate about evangelism. They've heard what you said. What 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 would you say to them? What what would you say to motivate them, to encourage them? What should they do as they prepare to uh, take on this mission that we've talked about today? Dr. Dr. Abraham Jules. If I were listening today, I would have taken away from this something Elder Wright just said a little while ago, and he said it throughout, and that is this. You don't have to be a public evangelist like some of the guys who baptize countries. But if you're faithful as a church pastor, understanding mm -hmm. the mission of the church where most of our men are, and being intentional about growing your church and evangelizing, you're fine. Your church will grow. There is no if, ands, or buts about that. So this, this, the takeaway from all of this is, it's great that you have guys who go out and do public evangelism. You can be a pastor evangelist at your local church and you can start growing that church today. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I would just say that we ain't seen nothing yet. Mm. That's what I would say. Our best days are still ahead of us. And I keep telling the young pastors that. We can talk about the things the old guys did, fine. But our best brethren, our best days are in front of us. And so I would say to those listening today, 
roll up your sleeves, get yourself ready, learn the new methods, because the best day, Pentecost has not yet come. Come on now. We haven't seen anything yet. And look what Mercy. we're seeing already. That's what I would say. Mm. <laughs> Mercy. Hey, we, we got to, I, I don't know about my co-hosts, and I know they probably agree with me. This has been fruitful, it's been edifying, and I tell you, I'm so fired up. Listen, where's the service, man? <laughs> I, I need I need to say, Jennifer, Jennifer Sharon had asked if, um, as you know, I serve as the communications director for the South Central Conference, and Jennifer, do know that I will be in the president's office doing exactly what uh, Dr. Henry Wright shared. We're going to definitely develop something that our pastors will be trained and they can even send their 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 ministry team or their media teams to be trained. I'm going to leverage that from what I heard today. And I, I let you know that South Central Conference is going to lead the way with that. So thank you, gentlemen, for inspiring me as I as I participating in this. I'm already thinking down the road how, you know, the best days are ahead of us. Uh, Dr. Wright, That's you are right. so correct. We're, 